What's up, everybody? It's your host, Drew, coming at you with another edition of Sports Talk Buffalo. We have a lot to get to this episode, including the NHL trade deadline. Also, we're going to go over how the Buffalo Sabres fared in their last five games. And in segment number three, we're going to go ahead and talk about the still nationally ranked Bulls of Buffalo, their basketball team. So if you're ready, let's get it going. Before we go ahead and jump into this episode, I want to give a quick shout out to last week's co-hosts, Mark and Jerry. Mark is currently in the process of getting things together to start his own podcast. I will have more information for you when it is available to me. Also, Jerry, he is one of the hosts for Great Lakes Football Talk podcast. You can hear that on any of the major podcasting websites. In addition, If you like what you're hearing, tell your friends, tell your family, get this podcast out there to as many ears as we can. You can tell your friends and family to follow me on Twitter, Sports Talk Buffalo 716. Also, you can hear me on any of the major podcasting websites, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, Anchor. If you're ready, let's get going with this episode. All right, we're going to start by talking about some of the top stories around sports. New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft has officially been charged with two counts of solicitation of prostitution. That is two A misdemeanors of which he has pleaded not guilty to both. Also, NFL wide re- free agent wide receiver Demarius Thomas has been arrested for vehicular assault. More information on that as it becomes available in future podcasts. Also in the NFL, Jason Witten has ended, decided to end his retirement, signing a one-year deal worth $3.5 million with the Dallas Cowboys. In other sports, coach Roy Williams was helped off the court today as he drops to one knee in the first half against Clemson. He was walking uh, off the court on his own power, hopefully Coach Williams is okay. Also, in the NHL, the Ottawa Senators fired Guy Boucher as they were last in the NHL standings, and he is replaced by Mark Crawford. That's the top stories for this week's podcast. Stick around as we go ahead and get into the NHL trade deadline and the week for the Buffalo Sabres. All right, let's jump right into segment one, talking about the NHL trade deadline. Previous NHL trade deadlines have not quite lived up to the hype, but I believe that this one did. There were many big names moved in and around the NHL trade deadline day. On the actual deadline day itself, 19 uh, picks were exchanged, including a uh, including two first-round uh draft picks, three second-round picks, and two third-round picks. Uh, There were also 18 trades involving NHL players. Some big names moved, like I said, in and around the draft. Names like Wayne Simmons, who was traded from the Flyers to Nashville for forward Ryan Hartman and a conditional fourth-round pick. That is a fantastic pickup 
for a team like Nashville. He will add a big body, and he is what most people would consider a a playoff-type guy. He is big. He is strong. He is physical. He will grind it out, and that is something that you need. He can also score goals. Uh, That is something that you need in the NHL playoffs. As we all know, it is a grind. Other big names moving around. Kevin Hayes traded from the New York Rangers to Winnipeg for forward Brendan Lemieux, former Buffalo Sabres prospect, a 2019 first-round pick, and a conditional 2022 fourth-round pick. Also traded, Gustav Nyquist traded from Detroit for a 2019 second-round pick and a 2023rd-round pick. Uh, a fantastic pickup for the Sharks in that regard as the Detroit Red Wings are seem like they're looking to start rebuilding after a couple of very, very tough years. This one was a fantastic trade for Dallas. Uh, they traded for Matt Zuccarello. They got him from the Rangers for a conditional 2019 second round pick and a conditional 2023rd round pick. Unfortunately, in his first game, he was injured blocking a shot, and he's going to be out for at least four weeks. At least those were the initial reports. Another big name moving, Ryan Dezingle, traded from the Senators to Columbus for forward Anthony Duclair, a 2022nd rounder, and a 2021 second rounder. Uh, uh, And also, I'm sorry, the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets got a seventh round pick in 2019 in that deal. Columbus, on this trade deadline week, so to speak, making some big, big moves. They also were able to trade for forward Matt Duchesne, uh, coming along with Matt Duchesne is, a, I believe, a prospect, Julius Bergman. Traded from the Senators to Columbus. I reported this on the last podcast for Vitaly Abramov, Jonathan Davidson, and a, uh, and a 19 first and a conditional first in 2020. A very big trade for Columbus. Now, Columbus, it was speculated that they may want to move uh, Artemi Panarin and their goaltender, uh, Sergei Bobrovsky, as both are scheduled to be unrestricted free agents and both appear to want to test the free agent market this year. But I actually, I, I applaud Columbus because they go all in this year. They go all in. They made big moves. Uh, they brought in a lot of talent, a lot of talent. They they won the trade deadline by far, making big moves, bringing in big names to go along with Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky, keeping both of those guys and saying, you know what, it, this is a once-in-a-lifetime in, in opportunity. We're going to take a run at this Stanley Cup. So good for them. Um, I know that the Buffalo Sabres aren't going to make it this year. Uh, so maybe I will be cheering for the Columbus Blue Jackets to go ahead and win the Stanley Cup. That'll be my de facto playoff team this year, so to speak. 
Another big name that moved on a trade deadline or around trade deadline, actually on trade deadline day, I beg your pardon, Mark Stone of the Ottawa Senators was traded to Vegas for defenseman Eric uh, Brandstorm, forward Oscar Lindbergh, and a 2020 second round pick. My goodness. Now, Ottawa obviously had to trade Mark uh, Mark Stone in this instance. They didn't have a whole lot of leverage. If they didn't trade him, uh, he was going to become a free agent. Um, so, like I said, not a whole lot of leverage for the Senators. They had to try to get whatever they could for Mark Stone, who is a very, not just a good player, but a very consistent player, always fifty around 50 points or higher uh, his whole career. This guy is a big forward. He he can make his own offense. He Like I said, he's just a very consistent guy, a great, um, a great winger to have on your first line. Now, is he going to be able to continue uh, the play that he has had over the, the course of his career? We'll see. Um, he is a little bit older. I believe he is 28. He has a lot of miles on those tires, but his play style, you know, he's not a burner. So clearly he's, he's not relying on his speed too much to give him offense. So it may not really be a disadvantage uh, for him. Actually, I think Mark, I think Mark's on 26. He's 26 or 28. Either way, he also signs and after the trade signs an eight-year contract with the Vegas Golden Knights for an annual average value of $9.5 million. That, I believe, is really going to hurt the Sabres in trying to sign Jeff Skinner. Although... Now you kind of see what a player around the caliber of a Jeff Skinner is going to cost you. I don't believe Jeff Skinner is going to be more than $9.5 million, But I believe that he may now think to himself he is just as good, if not better, than Mark Stone. So he might be pushing for that nine point five. Comparing the stats, honestly, Mark Stone is a better player, a more consistent player. Uh, I believe, though, Mark Stone has probably had some better centers than um, than has Jeff Skinner over the course of their careers. Now, Buffalo, they also made a couple trades here. They traded uh, Nathan Beaulieu. As we know, they were backlogged on defense. They had a they still have a bunch of bums on defense, but they had a bunch of bums on defense, so they had to get rid of one of the bums. Uh, and they traded Nathan Beaulieu for a sixth-round pick, shipping him off to Winnipeg as he will be a, a bottom pair, uh, possibly a depth player over there also. Uh, so basically, we traded a third-round pick for a sixth-round pick. Um, not a very good situation um, for GM Jason Botterill. Um, a very, uh, he, he took a shot and it failed. 
Nathan Nathan Beaulieu was a very a very highly regarded prospect in Montreal. Did not quite work out there. Buffalo spent a third round pick on him, bringing him in. Unfortunately, did not work out in Buffalo either, and we ship him away for a sixth round pick. Uh, probably the biggest trade um, for the Buffalo Sabers is they land defenseman Brandon Montour from the Anaheim Ducks in exchange for a 2019 first-round pick. It will not be Buffalo's pick. It will be one of the other two first-round picks that we have acquired from trades in the past. And also for prospect Brendan Gooley. Now, I watched the last couple of games of Brandon Montour. They say he's a very fast guy. He's a puck-moving defenseman. He's not a very big guy. He's got some offense to his game, of course. Um, but how many guys can you have like that on your defense uh, whose weak spot is defense? Um, in his first game, uh, he was unimpressive. In his second game, he was pretty impressive. And I thought in his third game, uh, I didn't I didn't really notice him too much. So I guess that's not a terrible thing. Uh, too too terrible of a thing there. Um, but that was a big splash. A guy that the Sabres have looked at for the last year or two is um, defenseman Brandon Montour and uh, GM Jason Botterill is finally able to go ahead and bring him here. To me, I th- uh, it was a day before the trade deadline. I believe this happened on the 24th uh, that trade went down. Now, When I seen that trade, I was thinking to myself, maybe the Sabres are going to trade some more people and take a run at the playoffs. But I was wrong, of course, as for some reason, maybe they're waving the white flag. I'm not sure. Uh, The GM does not make any more trades. They stick with what they have. And uh, I guess they're just going to roll with it for the rest of the season and just see how this whole thing plays out. But clear winners of the NHL trade deadline is, of course, Columbus. It will be interesting to see if this pays off for them in the playoffs. Stick around. In the next segment, we're going to go ahead and talk about the last five games for the Buffalo Sabres and see where they fared after that. All right, let's get going with segment number two of Sports Talk Buffalo, the last five games for the Buffalo Sabres. In the last five games, the Buffalo Sabres have gone two and three. In the first game, they won versus the Washington Capitals by a score of five to two. The next two games, at the Leafs, they lose five three. At the Flyers, they lose five two. At home against the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, they win in overtime, four to three. It was a very good comeback win for the Buffalo Sabers, and tonight the Buffalo Sabers fall to the Leafs again, uh, losing five to two. The last check I had uh, of the NHL standings, the Sabers are now nine points out of a playoff spot after being in first place 
overall in the NHL back in November. This is a monumental collapse as we continue to see this unfold. In the last five games, the Sabres have 16 goals for and 20 goals against. In five games, the Sabres have 20 goals against. That is an average of four goals a game, ladies and gentlemen. Four goals a game. You're not going to win in the NHL if your defense and your goaltending is giving up four goals a game against. That's that is a recipe for a two and three record for a losing record. Now, of course, we're going to go ahead and talk about the big stars for the Sabres. Are they producing still? Of course. Sam Reinhart, four goals, two assists over the last five games. The exact same stat line for Jack Eichel, four goals, two assists over the last five games. The big surprise here is that Jeff Skinner does not have any goals in his last five games and just three assists, although that is still not too terrible in his last five games. Now, again, it's are the Sabres any better than they were last year? If you take out that fluky 10-game win streak, are they any better? Honestly, ask yourself that question honestly. Are they any better than last year if you take out that fluky 10-game win streak? Before the win streak, the Sabres were something like 7-6-2. and two. I mean, that's better than how they started last year, but after the 10-game win streak, they have been absolutely horrible. Now, I don't know what to attribute that to, um, but I this is just not a good team. Jason Botterill has not put together a good team. And another question I have for for people listening is, how do you grade Phil Housley so far? How do you grade him? Do you fire him in the offseason? Do you fire him during the season? Do you give him maybe another half a season next year to see maybe with some different players again if he can get something going? I think if he doesn't, you know, the more I watch, the more I see if – the Sabres don't have some sort of pushback in the last, I would say, uh, portion of the season, then I think in the offseason it is time to part ways with Phil Housley. Right now, Housley has a record for the Sabres of 55 wins, 72 losses, and 20 overtime losses. That is a record of 55 and 92 Sabres have 92 losses under Phil Housley in two years. That is not going to get the Sabres anywhere. It is, and of course, I'm sure it's not all on Phil Housley. A lot of it, uh, you know, some of the onus falls on the players, and some of the onus falls on the GM for being able to bring in the right players that can fit in Phil Housley's system. Obviously, he has done the best he can do in trying to get that uh, acquiring guys like Skinner and Sherry and now uh, Brandon Montour, guys who can um, skate fast and things like that. Um, There is a great article by Joe DiBiase on WGR550.com. And the title is the Sabres still paying for sins of Tim Murray. That was a great article. You guys should go ahead and check that out. Again, 
550, I believe it's WGR550.com. It is a fantastic article uh, about how much depth scoring the Sabres could potentially have if Tim Murray did not uh, try to rush the rebuild, so to speak, um, and kind of just let it happen naturally. If he had, I think if he had let it happen naturally, we had quite a few prospects in uh, our system. We also had a ton of draft capital uh, that we could have used. He would have had to hit on his drafts. And this is a, a GM that drafted Alex Nylander. Um, so I got, I mean, I guess I don't have a whole lot of faith in that as Nylander does not look like he will even crack an NHL lineup at this point. But again, where do you stand on the Phil Housley debate? Where do you stand on this team? And, and what needs to be done in the offseason to, to make this team better? I'm not sure. Uh, hopefully, GM Jason Botterill has the answers. I'm not giving up on Botterill yet. He has brought in some good guys to this organization, and hopefully he can get Jeff Skinner signed. That would be a very big piece for the Sabres moving forward. Um, but on that note, we're going to cut this one short as talking about the Sabres every week is growing more and more depressing as it keeps going. I really wish the Sabres would have made a, a, another trade to potentially get maybe a, a, uh, you know, a second line center as they are really, really hurting for another playmaker on that second line. Um, but again, the Sabres end their week, two wins and three losses and are now not currently nine points out of the last playoff spot. Uh, nine points out and and multiple teams have now passed them. They are chasing the Pittsburgh Penguins and also the uh, Montreal Canadiens, both of which who have 77 points. So like I said, I'll just do my best to enjoy the, the few wins that do come along. Enjoy watching Jack Eichel and uh, Sam Reinhardt and Jeff Skinner. And, and hopefully the Sabres can, can get this ship turned around. As we did for the one episode last week, let's end this on a happy note by talking about the still nationally ranked Bulls of Buffalo, their men's basketball team, as they go ahead and win another two games this week. Right now, the the Bulls, uh, most people are saying they are a lock if they don't win the Mid-American Conference Championship to have an at-large bid into the tournament. Uh, I believe the Bulls are still uh, ranked in the top 20 in the new ranking system, which is the net ranking system, uh, which is what's going to largely be used to pick the teams <clears throat> for the tournament. Now, getting into the two wins that the Bulls did have this week, they won against Akron 77 to 64. They also won versus Miami of Ohio 77 to 69. In the first game versus Akron, this game I actually personally attended. 
It was a very good game. Another very big crowd. Not quite a sellout. I would say roughly 5,000 or so people, which is actually very, very good for a Tuesday night game here in Buffalo. Uh, Akron took a a very early seven-point lead in this game, going up 17-10. and it was a close game throughout. It was a cl- it was a nail biter throughout the game. It was very exciting. It was a very fun atmosphere to be uh, to be in there and, and watch these two teams go at it. Uh, Akron, one of the best defensive teams in the Mid American Conference. Um, like I said, very back and forth through the entire first half. Uh, but Akron did take a 36-35 lead into halftime on a last second three point shot from. Uh, one of the Akron players. Uh, I thought that that would kind of demoralize the Bulls a little bit as they uh, kind of picked up their game as the first half went on. Uh, I really believed that they would, um, you know, come out a little flat in the second half. But of course, the 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 senior captains of this team, C.J. Massenburg. And Nick Perkins, they did not want to lose at home. They literally carried this team on their backs in the second half. Akron, still fighting all the way to the end, held a slim lead with 7 minutes and 54 seconds left in the second half. But the Bulls, after that, clamped down and just completely dominated the rest of the game. As from that point on, the Akron offense scored just five points and the Bulls ended up winning by 13 in a game in which, pardon me, the shooting struggled quite a bit. Some of the leading scores in that game were, of course, like I was saying, C.J. Massenburg. He had 23 points and 10 rebounds. A double-double, another double-double on the season for Massenburg, as he is really uh, realistically being looked at uh, by a lot of NBA scouts now. Also, Nick Perkins really dialed into this game, 25 points and five rebounds. He shot the lights out of this ball, and he, he had a very, very, very strong game as he and Massenburg led the Bulls to another home win. Now, After that game, they traveled to Miami of Ohio. This one was, uh, it didn't start out as a dogfight as the Bulls raced out to an 18 to nothing lead. We thought that at this point, it was going to be an absolute massacre. But of course, Miami of Ohio, scrappy. They're not going away. They actually ended up closing the gap all the way down and the Bulls led 37-33 going into the half. So great job there by Miami of Ohio <clears throat> to not be demoralized by an 18 to nothing run to start the game and compete with the Bulls. Buffalo was able to open up a 15-point lead again in the second half, but like I said, Miami of Ohio simply would not quit in this game and cut the lead to 4 points. Now, the Bulls eventually went on to win by eight, but like I said, 
Miami of Ohio. It was it, it was a dogfight in this game. Some of the leaders for the Bulls, of course, again, C.J. Massenburg. This kid, he looks more and more like he very well may go possibly in the second round. Excuse me, of the NBA draft. He had 20 points and 10 rebounds, his second double-double in a row. Some of the other notable players in this game, uh, Javon Graves and Nick Perkins, both of them had 13 points. Now, to get on to this one, another notable player having an incredible game, Devontae Jordan, the lockdown point guard. He had... 12 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists, and 2 steals. That kind of contribution cannot be looked uh, over. Devontae Jordan is a big part. He is a junior. He is a big part of this team. And I'm glad that he will be around for next year uh, as we bring in some other uh, some other guys. Uh, we're definitely bringing in some, some JUCO players to try to fill out this roster. Nate Oates has said he wants to get or keep this going, keep keep this momentum going in the program to keep um, to keep building, to keep to to constantly be in the in the um, conversation for being a nationally ranked team, to constantly be going to the NCAA tournament. He wants to build this thing up, and I thought I think he has done a fantastic job so far. Uh, for Buffalo. Again, I really hope he stays as he's having another record-breaking year for the Bulls. Uh, he, his name is going to be a, a hot name on the coaching market for some of the bigger schools. So hopefully the program that he's building here, the kids that he he's brought into this program and the area and the school itself can keep Nate Oates here to continue building. It has been a lot of fun to watch these guys over the past few years. With that, I'm going to go ahead and end this podcast. Again, a shout out to my co-hosts last week, Mark and Jerry. Uh, if you want to hear more of Jerry, you can go ahead and listen to his him on his podcast, Great Lakes Football Talk. can be heard on any of the major podcasting websites. Also, this podcast can be heard on any of the major podcasting websites, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, Anchor. On that note, I'll catch you guys later.